The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. One, two, three, four, five. Here we go in three, two, one. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. Welcome to issue 1056 of the Major Spoilers podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and checking us out this week. It's the end of the year. Everyone's out. That doesn't mean we aren't delivering you one last episode this year. Uh, so a couple of things, uh, a couple of things I've been doing over the holidays, uh, I guess a mini review alert, maybe some spoilers ahead, but then again, the show's called major spoilers. You should know this when you get into it. Uh, I watched rebel moon part one. It's up on Netflix. It's the new Zack Snyder film. And everyone's like, Oh, this is Zack Snyder's take on star Wars. This is definitely not Zack Snyder's take on star Wars, but rather Zack Snyder's take on uh, the Seven Samurai or the Magnificent Seven, take your pick depending on uh, which kind of uh, movie snobbery you want to uh, lean to. I will say this. Rebel Moon Part 1 is a Zack Snyder movie. Everything that you expect in a Zack Snyder film, from the music to the effects to the slow, uh, fast slow, it's all in here. Okay? So when you're going into this, you know what to expect. But I am going to say that I don't think Rebel Moon Part 1, if you haven't already watched it, I don't think that this is the one to watch. Because apparently there's a director's cut, and Netflix is trying to do the same thing that uh, that Warner Brothers did with the, the Justice League uh, Zack Snyder cut. You know, this super long extended version of it. Uh, my understanding is the one that is currently available on Netflix, it, it's only like two hours long, but apparently that's the one that they released for theaters, but there is supposedly a much longer version of the film that Netflix is going to release at some point. If that is truly the case, then I would skip this and wait for that extended cut, because I do think that when we look at some of his director's cut stuff, it tends to, for narrative purposes, tend to be a little bit better. This, what what's out there right now is okay. But it feels very disjointed, uh, like we're only getting the highlights of the story without getting a lot of the subtext or additional scenes that will make the story m much more cohesive. Uh, the, the story is fine. OK, don't get me wrong. I like Zack Snyder for what Zack Snyder does. I, I do like his films generally, uh, although some are definitely better than others. It is a fine story, but it's not a great story. Uh, the effects work in the movie is rather hit and miss. And I'm going to stop my review of Rebel Moon because the effects kind of tie into another film that I watched over the break, uh, The Creator from Gareth Edwards. This was in the theater, what, last summer or in the fall or something like that. It finally arrived on one of the streaming services where I didn't have to pay 20 bucks to buy the movie. Uh, I've been following Gareth Edwards since his very early days, and I even took... Oh, this would have been like around 2010. Um, shortly after or right around when Monsters released, I took a packaged visual effects course uh, that featured him uh, around that time. And it was fascinating. It gives me a lot more insight into the special effects work that I do and how I teach my students with uh, the different software packages that we have and so on. So. Gareth Edwards knows what needs to be done and how things need to be shot so that the effects work can really shine in post-production. But Rebel Moon and The Creator are both movies where you know what you're going to expect because of the respective directors. If you go in knowing that Zack Snyder wrote, or I should say co-wrote, directed, and did the cinematography for Rebel Moon... You're getting exactly what you expect. But 
unfortunately, not a whole lot more. The same same way, though, with the creator. Story's fair, but it definitely feels like a Gareth Edwards film. When I go, when I look at these two films, and those are really the only two movies that I watched um, that were relatively new over the break, although I did try to get my youngest to sit down and... <laughs> and watched The Princess Bride, and he wandered off about halfway through it because it didn't have enough action for him, which is kind of missing the point, I guess, of the Fred Savage character. But anyway, going back to the creator and Rebel Moon. I want Snyder's effects in Rebel Moon to look and feel natural, like when Edwards does it in his films. And I kind of honestly wish the two would team up, you know, Zach and Edwards co-writing Snyder directing Edwards on effects duties and actually just grab the cinematographer who worked on the creator, because I think Edwards knows how to do small budget films that tell a compelling story and have great visual works. And Zach Snyder is great in bringing in a lot of talent who wants to work with him and then just doing these big bombastic films. And I think that if we took a Gareth Edwards budget and forced that on Zack Snyder, but with Edwards knowledge of visual effects and together them telling a story, I think you would have something that would blow your mind. Okay. That's what I, that's what I want for Christmas, right? Uh, So rebel moon part one is a fine movie. I will watch the extended edition when it releases. And I'm honestly looking forward to see what he's going to do in part two. But this isn't a great movie by any means. And if you want to, and I know somebody's firing up their interwebs already, ready to fire off a a nasty gram to me, which is fine. You're entitled to your own opinion, and I'm entitled to mine. But here's how Rotten Tomatoes ranks the Snyder films from best to worst. Dawn of the Dead, Zack Snyder's Justice League. This is the one released on, on HBO. Army of the Dead. Watchmen, 300, Man of Steel, Legends of the Guardians, The Owls of Gahulihu, the Justice League movie that went into the theaters, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, that has a 29% score, just so you know where we are at in all of this. And then Sucker Punch, right beneath that, which, if you've seen Sucker Punch, you really get a sense of what, what watching Rebel Moon is going to be. Because when I watched it, I kept going, wow, there's a lot of the uh, color grading, the look that the film has, a lot of the fight scenes and the choreography in Sucker Punch feel like that inspired a lot of the stuff that we are seeing in Rebel Moon. Now, if Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice was at a 29%, followed by Sucker Punch, Rebel Moon Part 1 is at the bottom of the list with a 24% rotten score on Rotten Tomatoes. Do what you will with Rotten Tomato scores. I'm just presenting this for your information. I would definitely say Rebel Moon and Sucker Punch are very much related to one another, not just from the feeling that I got while watching these. And I've seen all of these movies, okay? Don't get me wrong. I've watched every single one of these Zack Snyder movies, and I have enjoyed them. But take that for what it's worth. For me, Rebel Moon earns a solid three slices of meatloaf, as does the creator. Um, but I will say that I was thinking about the creator for several days after watching the movie. I kind of didn't do that with, with rebel moon though. So there's some movie stuff that I've been watching as far as comics go. I'm still waiting for where the body was by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips to arrive. Uh, for some reason it won't get here until January 16th, but the digital edition is available right now. I'm almost tempted to drop another 20 bucks on that just because Brubaker and Phillips are a one-two combo that understand, in my opinion, again, how to tell really great stories and to do it in a way that we don't have to have single issue releases. We can have three to four trades released in a year that follow this, these characters. Now uh, where the body was is its own standalone thing, but I'm thinking more along the lines of, um, some of the other ones that we've reviewed on, on the site. I did read a bunch of older comics also over the break. So that's been fun. I'm mostly been catching up on Spider-Man and world's finest by Mark Wade. 
I hope you had a good holiday, whichever holiday you celebrate. I believe today, uh, as of this recording, it is Kwanzaa, so happy Kwanzaa to everyone there. If you give gifts or receive gifts, I hope you gave and received the gifts that you wanted and that other people wanted. Uh, for me, the one gift that I was really hoping for was the Marvel United Spider-Geddon board game, which I did get. Um, you can see some of the figures from the game on the Major Spoilers Instagram feed. It is a cooperative deck shuffling game where you are trying to, you and your other teammates, up to four players, are trying to defeat the big bad, whoever that may be. It may be Wilson Fisk, it may be Venom, it may be somebody else. Uh, and you do this by using cards uh, in your hand, your, your power set cards. But then your card, when it's your turn to play, you not only get to play your card, but you also get to use the power set of the person who came before you, who played their card. So if the person who came before you has a move and a punch and you have two punches, well, then you get to move your figure one location and then three punches on whatever's there. Could be uh, could be a henchman, it could be the big bad, it could be whatever. Uh, so I'm looking forward to this. I've got these. This is from a cool mini or not or Simon or come on or whatever it is. If you haven't played uh, the Marvel United games, then I would suggest you check them out. They're a lot of fun. And this is a standalone game, so you don't have to have the core set. But then again, why wouldn't you want to have the core set? Because the minis are great. And if you're familiar with the uh, cool mini or not, a uh, little chibi type style, then you know what you're going to get right there. So there you go on some comic book nerdery. Uh, at the end of the week, I'm going to record the last VIP live chat for 2023. Uh, the live chat, which has kind of become the recorded chat, is for our gold level and higher patrons at patreon.com slash major spoilers. And the VIP live chat is where I fill you in on everything that's going on behind the scenes at major spoilers. And I answer patrons questions. However, if you've been following us since we've been doing this for, I don't know, 10 years now. At the end of the year, I release this VIP live chat, the December year-end wrap-up, absolutely for free to everyone who's a patron over on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash major spoilers. Now, there is, if you're like, well, I don't have the $5 to pay for this right now, there is an option on Patreon where you can follow our Patreon page for free. doesn't cost you anything. You don't get access to the things you get to see posts and when they happen and you get a feel for what's going on. Uh, and anything that I have released for free on our Patreon page, you would have access to. So if you are sitting on the fence trying to decide if you want to support us uh, and all the work that we do in the coming months, then by all means, go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash major spoilers. My hope is that you would sign up for the $2 a month pledge or the $5 a month pledge. But if you just kind of want to float around and check it out, look at the free tier. It's not something that is, again, it's not going to get you a whole lot of stuff, but at least it's going to give you a little taste, right? So if you're not a patron, though, uh, you can also ask questions that I will answer in the live chat. Okay. In order for you to participate in that, you need to go to our Discord channel. There's a link in the show notes. The Discord channel is absolutely free. When you log into our Discord channel, get into the Major Spoilers podcast channel and ask your questions about Major Spoilers, Major Spoilers podcast, Major Spoilers entertainment, whatever questions that you have, ask them before Friday noon central time. So that would be Friday is uh, December 29th. So wherever you're located in the world, get them to me by Friday, December 29th. I'll gather up all the questions and then I will answer them as well as provide some other information about things that have been going on throughout the year. And I will say, if you like what we're doing with Critical Hit, if you like where we're going with major spoilers and all of the rest of the shows in 2023, hang on to your butts because 2024 is a coming. I want to thank everyone for the overwhelmingly positive feedback on the last two episodes of the Major Spoilers podcast, where I shared some history and my thoughts on the DC explosion and the subsequent DC implosion. 
I, I really, I was really surprised at the positive feedback. And I thank everybody for that. This has been a project that's been percolating in my brain for about a decade or whenever the last time Mark Wade was on the major spoilers podcast. Um, the last time that Mark Wade was on the major spoilers podcast, we were talking and he casually mentioned something about DC wanting to change the structure of the comic industry, but the winter storm stopped that. I had not heard this. This was again, 10 years ago. And so after we were done, I was like, Mark, could you just tell me really quickly about what you were talking about there? Because I'm not sure I remember anything about this or had heard anything about this. And so he quickly told me the story about the DC explosion and what they had planned and then how the winter storms shut all that down. And that really got me thinking about, oh, this would be a fantastic story to tell in an audio documentary format. And, you know, he told me and I thought this was a great idea. And it just kind of sat in my brain knocking around for 10 years and or however many years. And the reason why it just kind of sat there for so long is because every time I would bring up this idea of doing this audio, audio documentary, this history of the DC explosion, DC implosion, everyone that I mentioned it to kept saying it was a dumb idea and that no one would be interested in it. Yeah, that was a dumb idea. So, two years ago, this would be the summer of uh, 2022, I was part of a Patreon uh, group coaching session. If you've listened to the podcast or you're a patron member, I've talked about this before, that it was a fantastic thing uh, where I got to meet a lot of great creatives, both in the musical space, the acting space. Um, Keith Knight uh, was in, in our group and he was, he was fantastic as well. And part of this coaching session, our coach tried to get us to go past our blocks and in, encouraged us to really stop listening to the naysayers and the dickwads and, and really push ourselves. So I dug up that idea. I did all the research over the summer of 2022. And by August, uh, the first of August, I had an 80 page script that I then sent off to several outside sources to provide some feedback, to make sure that it made sense, that it flowed smoothly, that uh, I was putting the credit where the credit was due, that it actually was something that people would be interested in. And these three people don't have um, really connections to major spoilers beyond being fans or friends or something like that. People that are knowledgeable about comic books and they all loved it. And the plan was that I was going to have it done in December of 2022, but I got tied up with some other events. So I pushed it to this year and coincidence, whatever that you want to say, um, it seemed like many of the talking points and ideas that I put into this two-part documentary are things that are pretty hot topic right now. And so it seemed like a really good reason to release this right now. And, and it was frantic because I started recording the episodes back in October. And then of course had to spend a lot of time editing and at least one episode, the last episode, I had to still edit all of chapter six, like, a couple of days before the, uh, the episode released. Uh, and then there are some people that got to listen to stuff a little bit early, uh, because they are, uh, huge patron donors who I wanted to say, Hey, uh, thank you for all your patronage over the year. Here's a little sneak of something that we have going on. But, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you to everyone who downloaded and listened to the piece. I really enjoyed putting it together for you. And a couple of you have already asked, are there plans for the future? Yes, there are, though I'm not putting a timeline on a release just yet. And I'm not going to tell you what the topic is just yet. But if you go back and listen to the, the two-parter, there are several times where I say, oh, this is a story for another time, or this is much more complicated than what we can talk about here. That might give you an idea of what's to come. But again, I can only do these kind of special episodes with the support of our patrons. So the more patrons we can get at the $5 a month level, the sooner and more often I can do these kinds of special programs. So again, thank you. I I'm so happy that people enjoyed this as much as they did. And I do want to do more of these. So, uh, patreon.com slash major spoilers. Finally, finally, Throughout 2023, we've been reviewing trade collections, as we always do in the Major Spoilers podcast. But this year, the vast majority of the trade paperbacks that we read 
were suggestions from you, our dear listeners. Uh, in October and November, I ask those of you in our Discord server, again, you need to join the Discord server. It's absolutely free. In October and November, I go into the Discord server and I ask people uh, to share what they would want us to talk about on the show in the coming year. And I'm looking at the uh, 2024 uh, lineup and we've got a lot of great stuff. Most of it, even more suggestions in 2024 are coming from our listeners. That brings us back to the rest of this episode. Lagnus, who is one of our dear, dear listeners, asked us to review the life and times of Scrooge McDuck, which is a great suggestion, except we reviewed that a few years ago. So we're going to end this year with a replay of the life and times of Scrooge McDuck from episode 191 released in April of 2010. So thank you so much for checking out the Major Spoilers podcast in 2023. And as I mentioned before, 2024 is going to be great. We'll talk with you soon as we get into this replay. Take care, everyone. So this week, um, we're taking a look at the first six issues of The Life and Times of Scrooge McDuck from Boom Studios. They just came out with this like three weeks ago, four weeks ago, something like that. Brilliant hardcover. You can also get it in, in uh, soft cover trade. I did not read these as they originally came out in, in the uh, early 90s. But I have read the entire 12-issue run of mm. The Life and Times of Scrooge McDuck. Now, Carl Barks is probably the greatest Disney writer-artist that ever lived. Would you agree with me, Matthew? Oh, yes. The Good Duck Man is probably... Uh, I'm going to say it. If you're looking at worldwide impact, probably one of the most successful, one of the most creative, one of the most fascinating comic creators ever in any medium. Disney has been reprinting those uh, Carl Sparks uh, issues since forever and has made Scrooge McDuck a hugely popular character in Denmark, Norway, Sweden, Iceland, Germany, Finland, Switzerland, Portugal, We're Brazil. huge in Sweden and beloved in <laughs> Ignatius. And surprisingly in China. Mm -hmm. Scrooge McDuck is popular in China. And now, I want to know. Through, how, yeah. Well, you how, know what? How you does know, that go? You know what? I've got a theory about that that I want to talk about a little bit later. Mm -hmm. but He's the big in Latin America, too. Is he? Mm -hmm. Everything everything Scrooge McDuck or just the whole Duck clan? Um, I'm pretty sure... I would go to my uncle's place and my cousins would have Scrooge McDuck comics just Excellent. kind of lying around. So throughout Carl Barks's long tenure of writing Scrooge McDuck, he would scatter in all of these little short snippets of Scrooge talking about, I, when I was a lad, or however, do your Scottish accent, Matthew, where he says, when I was a lad, uh, I used to work with my uncle on the riverboat. When I was a lad, I used to work with my uncle on the riverboat. It's time you learn something of your ancestors. And the problem and so is now he, that you've told me to do it, I just can't do it. So Barks would scatter My all of these little bits. Mm -hmm. He would scatter all these little bits, and sometimes he'd have a couple panels of a flashback to when Scrooge was a young lad, maybe uh, uh, Shining Shoes mm -hmm. in Scotland, and that's all we would see. But over the years, Uncle Scrooge fans, Disney fans, Barks fans, have collected all of these little tidbits. And have compiled kind of a history of Uncle Scrooge. Well, Don Rosa, I, this was in the early 90s, said, why don't I go to Gladstone, the company that was publishing at Disney at the time, Jim Stone, and say, hey, uh, how about I do a whole series about this based on Carl Barks's history of Uncle Scrooge, all these little tidbits that we've thrown in, and we're not rewriting Scrooge's history. We're mm -hmm. not redoing anything different. We're actually expanding upon these little snippets that have been dropped through throughout history. So I forget how long he says that he had to uh, scramble around and try to make this uh, history of Scrooge McDuck. But he developed a 12-issue series that, again, ran in the 90s through Gladstone Publishing. And it tells the fascinating tale of how Scrooge went from a wee lad mm -hmm. to the curmudgeon of an old duck that, uh, that he came to be. Six issues, well, though. Man, you really need to read the whole... I, I will say this... It's kind of the end of the entire review, but everybody needs to read all 12 issues because I think reading the first six issues, you might feel kind of left out. Mm -hmm. 
Matthew, what are your thoughts? Let's start with you and issue one. Issue one. With uh, young Scroogey becoming a shoeshine boy. It's actually uh, one of the recurring uh, themes, I guess, if you will, of the old Bark stories is the magic powers of Scrooge's first dime. Right. And, you know, later, later writers actually claim that the dime itself is magic, but the dime itself is not magic. It's just important as the first dime that Uncle Scrooge ever made. Mm-hmm. And of course, I love the fact that it opens with Scrooge swimming through his money. Right. And the omniscient narrator thinking about how did he get to be so rich? And Scrooge looking at the camera and going, none of your gold earned business. Yep. <laughs> I love that character bit. But basically it flashes back to his father, uh, the, the, the clan, the leader of clan McDuck. I believe his name was uh, Angus McDuck. I don't know. I will look here. Connor, really Connor McDuck. There can be only one McDuck. <laughs> well, actually, but, Scrooge is the last of the McDucks. So, you know, the whole legacy of the McDuck yeah. clan that goes all the way back to this ancient castle mm-hmm. is resting on his shoulders. And, and it's fascinating that when when his dad is teaching him or, you know, talking to him about his first job as a shoeshine boy, his dad actually teaches him what we later learn about Scrooge. He made his money square. He was smarter than the smarties and tougher yeah. than the toughies. And it, it, it points out something that I hadn't thought about. This takes place in Scotland. He's given an American dime. Yep. And in, a, in, in Scotland, American dime is almost worthless. And he keeps it as kind of a lesson. Yeah. More than anything, you know, he, he feels like he actually, you know, somebody hosed him by giving him this American dime. I thought that was kind of clever, too. Uh, Scrooge's father is Fergus McDuck. And Fergus's, I like Connor. Connor Fergus's, Fergus's other two brothers are Jake McDuck and Angus Pothole McDuck, who mm-hmm. we will meet Angus. in another story. Uh, you know, you want to know why I think this uh, Scrooge is popular in China? Why? Especially in these stories, because we learn throughout, especially these six issues and throughout the entire series, we learn of Scrooge McDuck's core values Mm -hmm. and we understand where he comes from. Mm -hmm. And even though Scrooge has this quest for money, I mean, he wants to be rich and it goes in here in the very first, uh, you know, page. He has a multiple, multiple jillion, nine impossibilion, seven fantastic trillion dollars and 16 cents. Mm hmm. You know, even though he has this drive to accumulate wealth and be a skinflint, you know, be this really tight character with his uh, with his money, we see these core values being put into him. You have to put in the hard work. Nothing is handed to you easy. Um, you know, in the end, it's not the money that matters, but what you do to help along, uh, in this case, the society, because towards the end, and, and I think it was in, in these first six issues – you know, he goes – he's sending money back to the home. Mm-hmm. He's going back and rescuing the castle. Yep. He yep. is, at the end of the 12 issues, is going and essentially founding Duckburg or being one of the founding mm. major players in, in Duckburg. Mm. So it's all kind of relating back to some higher group. And maybe in China, the, the idea is you work hard to help the higher group. And mm. maybe the, the money issue is maybe downplayed a little bit more. But I really love that we are seeing these core values of Scrooge, especially starting this first chapter with these with this first experience as a uh, as a shoeshine boy. Rodrigo. And- Hello. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I was I was so surprised as I started reading this about how like immensely interesting it is. Like as a kid I'd read random uh Scrooge McDuck and Donald Duck and their right. nep- uh, nephews kind of mm-hmm. deals. And I was like, and, and, and as a kid, I liked them. But like going through this, I was like, oh, like he makes his first dime and then he like moves to selling Pete. Yep. And then that becomes something later. Like that's a, it's important that he switches to selling like flammable Pete. Right, right, right. You know, and, and like the, all of the books there, it's, <clears throat> you know, you talk about like, storytelling storytellers like weaving their stories mm-hmm. these these stories are woven they're you know not only do they have a lot of um like nice strong visible continuity but every little thing that happens in the story is building towards 
the climax of the tale. Right. Um, and at the end of this very first one, you know, it, it ends up going that he goes from a shoe shiner to a log salesman to a peat salesman. And then that, the, because he has that peat, is how he chases the Whiskervilles yes. out of his ancestral homeland or out of his mm-hmm. ancestral castle. Mm-hmm. And the castle really plays a big role throughout this entire series. And there's actually, and you guys didn't read it. And maybe, Matthew, have you read the entire series? The entire series? Yeah, the entire 12 issues. No, I've read the the first six. Okay, there is an issue way later on that features Scrooge taking his two sisters to America. Mm -hmm. And there is a panel that just is so powerful Mm -hmm. that you just sit there and go, wow, I can't believe they did this in what is essentially a kid's kid's book. Uh, Hortense and Matilda. Yes, and you know what's funny about that is... um, Hortense is um, such Don- a... She's, she's Donald's mom, right? Yes, yes. Because that, when, I, when I got to that part of the book, I like flipped out. That is like unheard of in, in, in Disney stories. Well, we always wonder because Donald always calls Scrooge McDuck his uncle. Right. But we right. don't understand. Uncle Scrooge. You know, how did it... How, is it really his uncle? How did they... You know, how are mm-hmm. the... What's their lineage? And there's a great spread in this collection that I have that shows the family tree... And Hortons, we see, is this all throughout these issues. She's a very angry kid. She's uh-huh. punching and screaming and losing her temper very, you know, very easily. And I'm always like, why do they keep referencing her? Why do they keep referencing her? And then you get to the family tree, and you're like, dang, that's why. That's, yep. And there's actually well, in the later issues, you actually see her being courted mm-hmm. um, by uh, by Quackmore Duck, uh, Donald's father. Interesting. Yeah. So that it really, oh. the whole thing is just so well done because. Again, Rosa is not setting out to tell to change history, mm-hmm. right? He's taking what Barks took and is creating yeah. embellishing it, you know, mm-hmm. adding on yeah. to it. And in these first six issues, I, I gotta say, my favorite one is the the riverboat tale. Yeah. Chapter two. That is awesome. Give us a rundown, Matthew. The uh, the whole thing is just filled with awesome puns for me. But <laughs> hang on, let me get to it. Donald ends up working, I believe, not Donald, Scrooge, Scrooge. ends up working for his uncle mm-hmm. as a basically a riverboat. And I love the whole joke about Mark Twain. Where? I want his autograph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but ends up working on the riverboat. And it's the uh, the thing that keeps sticking in my head is when early in the story – they give us an important thing and they explain this is what happens to trees when they sink in the river. Right. And it was a big problem with it. This is an actual historical fact. Yes. It's something fascinating. And it, it's a reference to something that really happened when, you know, river boaters were river boating. It's a reference to something that happened in a bark's tale. And it's key to the plot that Rosa is telling throughout this whole issue. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that really fascinates me about the whole thing. But, Basically, they end up dealing with the riverboat and and the first appearance of the <laughs> villains who would later be pretty much, I want to say Scrooge is probably his most persistent foes. Mm-hmm. The guys, the boys who always wanted to steal Scrooge's money. And they were beagles, but they couldn't think of what to call themselves. Yeah. that's a, What are we, we going to call ourselves? I don't know. Here, put this on. It's a brand new mask. Yep. I, some of it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of heavy in how they introduce the mask. You know, here's this other yeah. rival riverboat captain that says, hey, if you guys want to hide yourselves, here's these uh, masks that I got at Mardi Gras last month that just so happened to still be in my pocket. Put them on. And yeah. then we're introduced to the Beagle Boys. But what's really cool is in those panels, before they put on their masks, their face and their eyes are all in shadow. So we really because never see the Beagle Boys without unmasked. their masks on. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because un- we've that's never seen nice the Beagle Boys touch. unmasked. We also the see the uh, boys aren't shown unmasked. Yeah, we also see uh, Gyro Gearloose's uh, ancestor, mm-hmm. who has yeah. this uh, pill that will clear up the muddy Mississippi to uh, find this sunken treasure that's in one of yeah. the uh, one of the uh, steamships of the, of the time. In a, a, sun, a sunken riverboat, and apparently the this is also true. The Mississippi River was actually rerouted, right? Thanks to an earthquake back in the nineteen oh eight or something. An earthquake. Like that. Yeah. And boats were were left run aground, and one of the boats ended up basically nearly underground. Mm-hmm. And there's a secret hidden treasure on one of the boats. And that's what I like about about this tale because one of the things that oh, I'll 
see you guys. Uh, you're both in the fifth dimension and the show's all about me. Hooray! So, um, this is what I've always liked about Scrooge McDuckTales, is they always have this fantastical adventure component mm-hmm. and an entire riverboat buried underground, except for the steam pipe that's sticking up that they think is a well, mm-hmm. is so much fun. Yeah. That's yeah. what I, that's what I enjoy. And of course, everyone comes out on top, especially as Matthew said, with the, uh, the tree that pops up and, and stops the Beagle yes. Boys from making their escape. What, what it really reminds me of as much of anything, and especially in that episode, is Tintin. Mm-hmm. It has, I mean, it takes these characters who are essentially funny animals, but it doesn't put them in funny animals' tales. It puts them in a straightforward adventure story that has a humorous component. But is is like backhandedly educational. Yeah, yes. and, and the kind and a of surprisingly that, strong historical component. Right. Really, right. I know. And you're you're reading this, and you're like, oh, well, that's interesting. And I remember reading, you know, Bark's Uncle Scrooge stories when I was a kid that my grandmother had in like hardcover collections. Yeah. And thinking, wow, this is interesting stuff. And then later finding out that this is actually true. These are historically accurate stories. But right. The, this one, especially with the origin of the Beagle Boys and what's essentially their first arrest and their first run in with Scrooge is fascinating. And at the end, I don't think anybody gets the treasure, do they? No, the government uh, gets all the gold back. Yeah. yeah. And so Scrooge years later is going to uh, he's going to stay with his uncle and sometime down the road, he's going to become the captain of the riverboat, which leads us into uh, chapter three, Rodrigo, where Scrooge McDuck becomes a rootness tootness cowboy of the. That's right. He becomes the buckaroo of the Badlands. Um, So, the good, the bad, and the ducky. So Scrooge inherits the riverboat uh, from his uncle, who goes off to become a a popular uh, writer. Yeah. um, (laughs) Mostly by (laughs) embellishing the tales of pretty much Scrooge's adventures. Right. While they were all thirty-seven of the Beagle Boys attacked me at once, and I fought them off with my two strong hands. That's right. Um, but he inherits the riverboat right as the railroad is really picking up. Right. So um, he gets into a mishap, loses the boat, and goes, you know what? I'm going to get out of here. Yeah. I'm going to keep going west and see what happens. So he gets to, what is it, Arizona? Kansas, I think, because he's 100 yeah. miles from Wichita whenever yeah. the train, whenever he falls off the train. Um, so he gets to the west, the wild west, the untamed west, and... Uh, Gets hired on by another Scottish man mm-hmm. um, to kind of keep track of this prized Angus bull. And it's funny because he gets hired because he can ride the meanest, baddest Bronco. And after he gets done <laughs> riding the meanest, baddest Bronco, he realizes because his money belt yeah. got hooked got to the saddle. To the saddle. Yeah. Um, so that's why he didn't get knocked out. Um and the man that he works for is an actual historical figure. Is he actually? Nice. Murdo, Murdo McKenzie is actually a real historical figure. Mm-hmm. Granted, he probably didn't deal a lot with talking ducks. Right. And probably but, wasn't a beagle himself. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, and that's also, a, there are historical figures scattered throughout this book. In fact, I believe it's in this chapter that he yep, meets, he meets uh, Teddy, Teddy Roosevelt, Roosevelt, who's not named Teddy Roosevelt. That's right. They they make a quick reference to him as TR. Yeah, yeah, and that he got into politics before he decided to become a cowboy or something yeah, in the before, West. Yeah, before he kind of struck out on his own. Um, so the, the um, oh, what are they called? Uh, uh, these two yeah, the, horse the these cattle wrestlers. Yeah. Um, they steal the Angus calf and uh, Scrooge has to chase them down. Um, so they get into this kind of ridiculous Scooby-Doo, like, running around situation in these <laughs> in the canyons. Yeah. Um, and eventually he he comes out ahead, you know, by employing a dinosaur skull and some rope and a grizzly bear. Yeah. Um, yeah. And some buffalo. And- yep. Yeah. Uh, Scrooge, <laughs> Scrooge ends up on top and, uh, they, he kind of rides off into the sunset. Yeah. He's going to be the, the it's, head ranch hand of the mm-hmm. 10,000 acre ranch in Montana. That's right. And this is, you know, it, it seems, and again, these morals and these ethics that are building into Scrooge about, you know, he keeps losing his fortune or the potential of losing his fortune at the end of each of these stories. And yet he still continues to say, you know what? I still have this dream. I'm still going to follow it. I'm still going to do everything that I can. And 
we'll see what happens. And if it turns out that I go to Montana and I live there for a few years until uh, until barbed wire becomes a big issue for the cattle mm-hmm. rancher and, and I have to move on, then I'll move on. And that's exactly what happens to Scrooge. And so he decides that, hey, maybe I should try to get into mining. Yep. And uh, Matthew, why don't you pick it up from there? Uh, Scrooge decides maybe I should get into mining. And so he goes to mine things in a mine. Yes, the- but he doesn't. he's not very good at it. He's not, and that's that's one of the fun recurring gags at the beginning of the well, the six issues that I've read. He keeps almost getting rich, yes, yes, and then not getting rich, but he ends up in basically the mining the the community, and somehow it becomes public that it he whoever owns the land closest to the vein owns the entire mine. Right. The, the entire I, vein. Yeah, the entire vein is what they own. And so right. Scrooge just really sucks as a miner. And it's not until he runs into this somewhat wealthy guy, uh, Howard Rockerduck, uh-huh. who says, oh, you're doing it all wrong. And, and Scrooge kind of pulls a uh, pulls a Tom Sawyer, Tom Sawyer or Huck Finn. I forget which one pulls a Tom Huck Sawyer Finn. on him and says, oh, well, if you think you can dig a dig a claim better, why don't you just do it? And the guy's like, all right, let me show you. And so Scrooge learns all of his mining techniques Mm -hmm. from this guy. And they, they essentially run into the Anaconda load, the beginning of that, of the copper vein. And as Matthew said, whoever this apex claim, Mm -hmm. whoever owns that owns the entire vein. Right. And then there's, uh, I'm my time frame may be off now, but I believe there's a huge ongoing battle yeah, there's and a, then Scrooge almost becomes incredibly famous, yeah, and rich. Well, see, the judge rules in, in Scrooge's favor. Says mm-hmm. yes, the apex law says that Scrooge does own this entire thing. Turns out that the uh, Anaconda Mine is actually owned by or half owned by this guy mm-hmm. that uh, taught him how to mine. And so you're wondering if maybe there's a little bit of uh, this guy's doing it on purpose because he knows what's going to happen mm-hmm. because his son is just a spoiled brat. Yeah. This rich guy's, uh, rocker ducks, uh, son is just a spoiled brat. And he's like, eh, I don't care if my claim, you know, if my claim on this fortune goes away, my kid's just going to get a little le- less rich mm-hmm. than he already is. Um, right. and so the other half owner of the mine says, well, I'll buy you out for $10,000, which right. back in that time period would have been, right, you know, huge. a lot of money. And uh, Scrooge is like, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to do that until he gets word from his father mm-hmm. that, that uh, things are not going well back home and he needs to come home immediately. And Scrooge says, all right, give me the $10,000. <laughs> I'm going to lose out on this anaconda mine. I'm going to go home and see what the hell's going on. Well, he says, what the heck? Right. Or yeah. what the duck is going on? Well, and <laughs> 10 grand, you know, He's not again, 10 grand ain't nothing. <laughs> It is nothing to sneeze at. I mean, he goes back home and discovers that the ancestral home that we saw in the first chapter is being foreclosed on, essentially. Mm -hmm. And the Whiskervilles are all in a plot because they want to find this hidden gold that's supposedly buried in the castle. And so because uh, Scrooge's father and uncle haven't paid the taxes, it's going up for auction. Well, Scrooge uh, just so happens to have all the money that he needs to pay off those taxes and save Mm -hmm. the ancestral home, which is a callback to that first issue where he... Scrooge kind of wistfully wonders that someday I wonder if I'll ever have enough money to, you know, buy back this land or or buy this castle and fix it up. And if I'll ever own this castle or any other castle and so on and so forth. And it kind of comes to fruition here in this tale, but not before Scrooge McDuck dies. That's right. What happens, Rodrigo? Um, It's really like this gets this is this was a really weird one because um, we meet the ghost of one of his ancestors right. very early, like I think in the first, uh, in the first story. Yeah. Um, and he's kind of showing him around and then just kind of disappears. Mm-hmm. Um, here he shows up again and he helps Scrooge, um, because the, the Whiskervilles challenge him, challenge him to a duel mm-hmm. and they're trying to cheat him the whole time, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and steal his, uh, banknote. Yep. Um, so his ancestor intercedes and some lightning strikes, and Scrooge, I think, actually gets struck by lightning yeah. and falls into the moat. Wearing heavy armor. Wearing heavy armor. And, mm-hmm. and dies. And and has a definitely has a near-death experience, at least, where he shows up in heaven where all his ancestors, of course, being good Scotsmen, are playing golf. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and 
him and his uh the ancestor that interceded try to convince them to send him back right because he's not supposed to be dead yet right and like the the whole like he was not this was not supposed to happen but the god inter the the not the god the uh the ghost interfered and that's why he died kind of thing mm-hmm. was really weird it really like, it was. was interesting but it it like it, it was just weird <laughs> like it didn't really have a place in this Right, but it kind of brings. I, I think it was just an, an additional complication that didn't necessarily need to be there, but ended up being kind of interesting. You know, Rosa said, I think in the first issue, whenever he was writing the first issue, he had like seven pages of the history of the McDuck clan, mm-hmm. um, yep. and that the editor said, "Well, this is a story about Scrooge McNuck Duck, not his entire clan." So they yep. threw that all out, but. Rosa had already kind of come up with the history of who all these guys were, so this might have been a good opportunity to have him mm-hmm. show who all these characters. And they're arguing back and forth, and they essentially say, um, well, let's let's really see if the future of Scrooge McDuck is worth sending him back. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, look, someday he's going to become the richest blah, 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 and, and all these uh, fancy the, things. That's not what turns his their head, though. What turns his head is the fact that he's going to be the cheapest, stingiest skinflint of all. They're all yeah. like... My son! <laughs> yeah. Yes, let's send him back. And, of course, he goes back and he uh, chases the Whiskervilles away. And But when he wakes up, he's still in that heavy armor. Mm-hmm. And he can't get the bolts undone. So he whips out his the very first dime Don't that he ever made, which at this point uh, is the only money he has besides that banknote. Right. And loosens the screws with it. And that's how he gets out of the armor. Mm-hmm. It's very well done. I mean, it's all these little things that keep adding up and keep coming into play. And essentially, after the ancestral home is saved, it's the next morning, Scrooge sees a rainbow and says, hey, you know what? I love my home, but my fortune is out there somewhere. That end of the rainbow is out there. And so I need to go out, go out a wandering. And he ends up in South Africa because he's he's now into this mining thing. He knows he understands how to mine. He knows how to find things, sort of. And he hears that there's gold in in the hills of South Africa, or diamonds, or opals, or whatever that may be. And so mm-hmm. he goes to South Africa to seek his fame and fortune, and it doesn't quite work out that way. Oh, of course not. Right, Matthew? It really doesn't. The The whole South African adventure actually kind of has a a thing for me, one of my things. Basically, he, he shows up. Somehow he ends up fighting elephants. Yes. I, I didn't quite follow the part well, where he was punching. Here's, up the here's this guy that we don't know his name yet. He's essentially a thief and he's getting run out of town on the back of a water buffalo. And Scrooge sees him and says, hey, let me help. And this guy says, OK, I'm going to teach you a thing or two. You've learned all these life lessons from traveling from older people. I'm going to teach you something, too. And and he says, go to sleep and I'll watch. Take the first watch. And um, tomorrow we'll continue on our journey. So Scrooge goes to sleep. The next morning, he wakes up, and this guy has stolen everything. Cleans him out. Including yep. the campfire. <laughs> and, and, he, as, and he taught him, <laughs> don't go to sleep with other people watching. Yeah, don't trust strangers. Don't trust anybody is essentially the lesson that he learns. Mm-hmm. I think what I ought to do is I go back and read through these and write down all the life lessons that Scrooge uh, has learned and stick that to my wall. Just like, uh-huh. you know, people have those, everything I learned, I learned in kindergarten. Yep. Everything I learned, I learned from, I learned from times Scrooge, of Scrooge McDuck. Yeah. So he's wandering around in the wilderness and stumbles upon lions and elephants and rhinoceroses and giraffes. And he just takes them to task and uses it, uses his knowledge from uh, punching, punching bulls and, uh, and uh, tames, tames the wild animals, rides back into town, discovers this guy and uh, rides down on a lion. lion. Yeah, he does. Which, again, you think it would just be good enough that he rides into town with a lion, but the fact that he has a lion in town becomes important later. Yes. And he gets yes. into it with this guy, uh, this other dog. And he quotes John Wayne. I, he <laughs> stomps into the tavern. He's like, fill your hand. <laughs> it's, again, well done. It's a little little odd because we never really know what this guy's name is this other duck that's his competition that's always stealing his stuff mm-hmm. throws him in jail though and d- decides that hey maybe south africa isn't where i want to be because this mine is is um mining is already essentially tapped out well not tapped out but the the minerals are there's so few per ton that you already have to be somebody rich from like the diamond mines mm-hmm. to really do a gold mine in south africa and make it work right. and so we kind of close those first six issues with um 
with him wandering off and, and we learn about all his enemies, the Whiskervilles of Scotland, the Beagle Boys of Mississippi, the McVipers of the Wild West, mm-hmm. and one particularly you know, nasty Afrikaner named Flinthart Glomgold. Flintheart Glomgold. If you've ever watched DuckTales, mm-hmm. we see Flintheart. I think in uh, in DuckTales, though, he's actually Scottish as well. Mm-hmm. But essentially, yeah. the second richest duck in the world. Right. And is always trying to steal McDuck's fortune to become the richest duck in the world. And beat him to awesome treasures. I like that Rosa doesn't say, doesn't introduce this character right off and says, well, I'm Flintheart Glomgold and I'm going to teach you a lesson or two. Mm-hmm. No, they wait till that very final closing box to let you know, aha, this is that's where he who this guy nemesis. is. Yes. Aha! Yes. Now, Matthew, you had you said you had some particular issues with this issue. Well, and it, my issue is probably another one of my overthinking things. Um, in well, it's the actually original, not until you until you told us about it. I had no idea. So, yeah. in the original Barks Tales, and this is one of the one of the little references that Don Rosa actually sprinkles in here. Um, Glomgold, Flintheart's mine is the Kaffir de Gaffir mine. Mm-hmm. And to me, growing up in the 80s, the only interfa- interface that I have with the word Kaffir um, is as a racial slur against uh, those of African descent. Right. Basically, uh, when I was growing up, the only place one ever heard it was as a slur against black people, specifically in and around South America, uh, mostly having to do with apartheid. Mm-hmm. So I saw that little, you know, that little thing. And, you know, Flintheart was, in fact, from South Africa. And, you know, to have that in there, to me, for some reason, my brain just kind of went, wow, I, I, I wonder if they know what Kafir has come to mean now. Um, I, I know that, you know, back in the day, I'm sure it was it was probably neutral. It's kind of like, you know, the current the current in, implications of the word gay. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it just means happy in most cases, but these days it has a secondary connotation, which has actually probably become, you know, more meaningful. Right. But, you know, to have that happen, and I think, again, you know, in, in DuckTales, which took place in what, the late 80s, early 90s? Uh, the DuckTales were, yes, the late 80s, yeah. uh, early 90s. And this series after, came out in 91, I believe, is when it came out. Yeah. Let me look. Right after or immediately after the big to do about. South African apartheid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think part of the reason why Flintheart was all of a sudden Scottish was because it was kind of a political hot potato to have him be a South African character. Well, then so, it's interesting from the mid 90s, it says the series came out from mid 91 until the end of 93. So it's interesting that um, Rosa decided to go ahead and use the Cafier de, de Gaffier gold mine because he says the only mm-hmm. other Barksian reference I could think of to stick in this chapter was in showing. The gold mine, which Scrooge and uh, Flintheart fight over in So Far and No Safari from Uncle Scrooge number 61. And I wondered, did do you think he knew? I I honestly doubt it. I mean, yeah. it may be one of those things that only that, you know, uh, only, you know, people in in the 80s who who have that kind of interaction would look at it. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, even. Well, obviously, when this was written, when Barks wrote it as a Disney publication. Right. That probably would not have come up mm-hmm. because, you know, in the in I think Glomgold appeared in the 50s first at that point in time. I'm sure there was a lot of racial intolerance and things going on, but it wasn't necessarily something that anyone brought up in, in proper company. Right. Certainly not in a kid's funny book. So I, I, I wonder if in the 50s it didn't have any negative connotation to the point where by the time these stories were written, Nobody realized that connotation because Don Rosa was a fan of the old stories. And again, originally it had no pejorative to it. Mm -hmm. It just sort of it grew into uh, basically a racial slur. So well, and clearly, if there had been an issue with it, Disney just wouldn't have printed it. Right, right. And you know, you also have to realize that South Africa, I believe, is one of the places where Scrooge McDuck is ridiculously, especially Carl Barks's work, is ridiculously popular. Mm You know, there's no real counterpart to me for the way they talk about this, is the way they talk about like Asterix mm-hmm. to where it's it's a comic book, but it's a comic book that is a national Legend. sensation yeah. among all age groups. It's not like the 70,000 people or so who read X-Men every month. We're talking millions of people reading Uncle mm-hmm. Scrooge, reading Asterix, reading Tintin. And you know, there's no real expectation of that in America anymore. Right. So in the following chapters, I'm just going to go ahead and really quickly touch on them. Scrooge goes to Australia where he meets a, a, an outback shaman, and he, he 
by the end of the issue, reveals he reveals his destiny of what will happen to him. And it's kind of kind of spooky when you read the final uh, panel of that, where the the shaman is looking at these cave paintings and he realizes that uh, uh, Scrooge is really the the fabled platypus that they've been telling stories for the last 200,000 years. And he wonders what this big yellow box on top of a hill with with these wires around it, what that represents. And then Scrooge has his, what I think is his greatest adventure in the Klondike, where we learn about his one true love, Goldie. And we mm. see those tales. And if you've ever seen DuckTales, uh, I think it was like the third season or something. There's like a two or three part episode where it's telling the tales of Scrooge in Alaska, um, trying to get his, his Klondike gold. And it's a great tale. Uh, Scrooge then goes back to Scotland. He's very wealthy at that time. Everybody, he starts to realize that uh, people are only your friends if they can get something free out of it. And since Scrooge is a is a skinflint, he does not uh, he does not give money away for free, and so people hate him. Mm-hmm. And so he goes back to America with his two sisters and settles in a town called Duckburg. And we learn a little bit more about some of his adventures there. We learn that life is indeed like a hurricane. Yes, it he is. He totally beat me to it. Yes, yes. And then we then we see where Donald and his nephews meet Uncle Scrooge for the first time and how he goes from this miserable, it's almost like um, Citizen, well, it's not almost like it, it is Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we were talking about The Shadow a couple of weeks ago, or last week or whenever it was. There's a video, very Citizen Kane-ness to uh, this final issue to the point where we meet Scrooge as this grizzled old man who just wants to be left alone and can hardly move to the final robbery by the Beagle Boys. And he springs back full of life and he says, ah, let's go ahead and have adventure kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think of Don Rosa's art compared to Carl Barks's art, Matthew? There are similarities. I think that Rosa works more what I like to refer to as on model. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say that there's probably more of an animation influence on what Rosa is doing and, you know, what people popularly say, you know, this is what Scrooge looks like because I saw him growing up when I watched DuckTales. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, There isn't as much Bigfoot to the characters as you would see occasionally in Carl Barks. Barks would do like, you know, occasionally he'd have a take where a character would fall back out a panel and you'd see nothing but his feet. Mm -hmm. You know, some of the, some of the old comic uh, shorthands, Yep. But I think if you go back and look at the first appearance of Scrooge McDuck in like 1947, there isn't a great deal of deviation from that story, that first Barks appearance, to what you see here. And mm-hmm. I think that, honestly, if you're going to look at comic books and comic book history and not just superheroes, I have to say that Uncle Scrooge is probably one of the top ten most popular characters who originated in comics. Mm-hmm. He is a he is a pure comic character. Later he migrated into the other Disney stuff, but you know, if you look at worldwide, he's probably as well known as Superman. Yeah. Maybe more so. Maybe yeah. more so. Yeah, well, I'd say that he's certainly more popular across the board. Yes. Rodrigo, final thoughts and recommendation. Um this book is kind of amazing. And and I was just completely surprised by it because it's not just a fantastic story of a character of, of a beloved character and a, and a good and fair take on him mm-hmm. but also a a surprisingly detailed story of the united states yeah um at least up until he moves away from the united states and it's kind of like a weird world like that what what really just just put it all together for me is when they start talking about uh the barbed wire and how that kind of destroyed the 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 big cattle dri- ranching, yeah, yeah the big cattle drives and stuff like that and I was like this is true oh my god is everything in this book true <laughs> everything in this book is true including the square eggs yeah yep. like Scrooge McDuck is like the first Forrest Gump you know what yeah. you are absolutely right absolutely right it's it's it I was I was so like halfway through reading this I went back and started reading it from the beginning. And like looking stuff up online, and yes, everything in this book is true. Yep. It's amazing, yep. and the character fits into it. The character's history fits into it. Like 
it's all like historically accurate. It's all interesting, mm-hmm. and all of the stories are just woven together so well. You know, stuff that happens at the beginning uh, makes or is important at the end in a non-obvious way too. It's not like here's the thing that's here's the ultimate nullifier is going to kill Galactus later on in the story. Yeah, no, it's like it's more than that. It's like something that is just. A throwaway line becomes mm-hmm. incredibly important later. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's kind of how the series comes about, you know. Yeah, Barks had these throwaway little moments that turn around yep. into these great stories. And and as far as a recommendation, yes, a thousand times, yes. Find it. It's from it Boom up. Studios. It's yes. from Boom Studios. It's the six issue hardcover that's out. I'm sure. I think there's also a soft cover that you can get. Mm. Uh, wait till you get to volume two, Rodrigo. As Matthew gives us his summary, I want you to read these last two pages of this of this story here and here and i'll I'll come back for your reaction in a moment so matthew final (laughs) thoughts and recommendation absolutely absolutely get this this is wonderful stuff like rodrigo said it's 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 a straightforward adventure story but it's also a history you know it's a historical and historically accurate story and it's funny and it's funny in ways that you don't expect and it's touching you know you look at this and you know he comes back on a steamship with $10,000 to his name and his baby sister is beating up strangers with a broom because they've come <laughs> to try and take the family household. And she's like, Scroogey, I'll come see you in a minute. And then she keeps beating people and you're just like, Oh yeah. yeah, that's so sweet. It's a, it's well, first of all, it's based on some of the greatest comics ever written bar none. And it's done with such love and it's done so coherently and cohesively that I can't help you. You have to recommend this. If you like comics, you should read this. And if you don't like it, you're an alien transvestite robot. What? They have those these days? <laughs> they do. <laughs> uh, do they come on the iPad? I gotta yes, say, I gotta say, does. the life and times of Scrooge McDuck. Sounds an awful lot like you came on your iPod. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're sorry for that, ladies and gentlemen, right at the end of the show. We had to send awesome Stephen series. away. He was more than happy. <laughs> this is an awesome series. I think the stories inside it are so deep and so rich. And beyond this idea of just becoming rich, there is so many valuable lessons that you can learn. I actually am going to have my son read this when he gets old enough to kind of read on his own. Mm-hmm. So he can read these adventures, and then we can talk about what did Scrooge learn. Mm-hmm. And how can he apply that to his life? I think this is a, if you don't know who Scrooge McDuck is, if you've never read any of those Disney tales, then I think you owe it to yourself to pick up this book first and learn about this character. And that way you can appreciate mm-hmm. the other stories so much more. Highly recommended. The art is great. The stories are wonderful. Rodrigo, coming back to you, what'd you think of these last two, pa- these it, two pages? It, it actually literally gave me chills. I, I was not expecting that. Because I, I was expecting it to be one of the characters, one of the mysterious phantom characters that was introduced. Yeah. I did not expect it to be that character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or those two characters. Yeah. yeah so, But did you, did you see this bit right here? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's powerful. Yep. You've got to go out and get this. Uh, Boom Studios has done an excellent job in putting this book out. Highly recommended. Go check it out. And uh, maybe we'll tell you after the show, what goes on in this final panel. All right, everyone, that's it for this week's issue. Thank you so much for listening and being part of the Major Spoilers experience. Thank you for everyone who's donated in the past and for everyone who's going to donate in the future and for everyone who's gone over to iTunes and given the Major Spoilers podcast some fabulous five-star reviews. We really appreciate those. The more you can put in, uh, the better that we can be in the uh, in the rankings, which means more people listen, which means new people to talk about comics, and so many more good things. Got a question for you guys. Maybe, Matthew, you can answer that. I know Rodrigo can answer this. What's yes. better to read first, Craven's Last Hunt or Craven's First Hunt? Craven's Last Hunt. Is that the one that we should read? Yes. All right. Next week, we're taking a, back, taking a trip back to Spiderville with a review of Spider-Man Craven's Last Hunt. Why? Because we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we will talk with you soon. Fat Dick's Ray Vision of a Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, they kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler! What a major spoiler! 
way to think about a better way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Bob Stark Raven reads like a man of iron. Might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the hard cold to follow an entire storyline. Would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being shot up in a fun, being the Middle East with a King Santo and soldier. What a major spoiler! What a major spoiler! Yeah, yeah, yeah! What a major spoiler! Whoa, 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 whoa! What a major spoiler! This podcast is copyright 2023 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.